Hope everybody's doing well on this lovely, lovely Tuesday morning. We are coming to you and we are still in, is that a word, still? We are still (laughs) in a series. I know you're probably like, oh my goodness, would you please switch topics? We will, I promise. But we got this episode and we might have another one or two. But I don't want to shortchange a series. It's my podcast. Anyways, so we want to do a topic today, and I know he ain't been on here in quite some time. Maybe we ought to do this. Welcome back. The other P to the two P's. Reverend Assistant Pastor Zachary B. Cordell. Hello there. It's good to be back with you. You ain't been on here in a while. It's been a little bit. Been a little bit. But you're here today. Yes, I am. And we got a good topic. We both enjoy this topic. Of course, we enjoy the Bible. I guess we ought to enjoy every topic. But anyways, we're here today with a topic that you've already read in the title, so you already know what we're going to talk about, entitled, Guarding the Garden. So what a better place to start than Genesis chapter number two. Yes, sir. About verse eight, it says, we read, the Lord God created a garden eastward in Eden. Adam was formed from the dust of the ground. In verse 15 of the same chapter, in 2, And the Lord God took the man and put him into the Garden of Eden to dress it and to keep it. Yes, sir. So here we are. We've got Adam in the garden, and he's the only one so far up to this point. And uh, I titled this a while back, Absent Adam. And so, I might go from there for a minute here. But I want us to look at, first of all, that Adam was meant to be a worker. And the Lord God took the man and put him into the Garden of Eden to dress it. First of all, the first command of Adam was to dress the garden. And in a simple term, that just means to work the garden, to till the garden, to to be a husbandman, to keep or to labor inside of the garden uh that was that was the point of that so he was called to work the garden to keep it up to dress it to keep it to uh to work in it and so the very first thing is man is made in the image of god and god is a worker god is definitely a worker he's not lazy and he has not called us to be lazy so as men as providers we are called to be workers adam had work before he had anything else you never noticed that look at that before there was anything else before he ever had a wife before he had anything he had a job that's pretty good you can't get nothing else unless you got a job yeah <laughs> so before he had a wife he had a job now there's a few single guys are listening there's a good hint right there if you want a wife get your job <laughs> So God is a worker. We're created in the image of God. Adam was made to work the garden. But what we're going to look at more today is that second word. It said he placed him in there to dress it and to keep it. Now that keep right there is uh, uh, says properly to hedge about. 
uh, if you look that up in the Strong's Concordance, properly to hedge about. And it means to be circumspect is another word that is used there. To keep, to look narrowly, to observe, preserve, regard, to keep the garden was to guard the garden, to pay attention and to protect this garden. Now, what's interesting to me is that Adam was told to keep the garden, to guard the garden before anybody else was ever on this earth, humanly speaking. Adam was the only human on earth at the time God told him to guard the garden. Now, that if Adam's the only man on earth... Eve's not created. There's no other man created. There's no human number two yet. Just human number one. And Adam is told to guard the garden. Um, there's obviously something to guard it from. God didn't just tell him that for no reason. So who do you think God was talking about? Well, he must have been talking about old Slewfoot. answer. <laughs> he must have been talking about... The devil himself, old Slewfoot, guard the garden. It was Adam's job to guard this garden that God had given him. And so we keep on reading. We can jump over into um, Genesis chapter number 3. And starting at verse number 4, we see the devil coming into the garden. Now how about that? Adam was told to guard the garden. Now we see the devil inside of the garden, and he's making... Uh, false accusations to Eve. He's telling her God said things that he didn't. And Eve begins to listen to the enemy. She begins to take the devil's advice. So where was Adam during all this? He was supposed to be the protector. He was supposed to be the one to guard the garden. He was supposed to be the one to keep the garden. That was his job. That was one almost his number one job to work and to keep the garden that was his two things that he was called to do and yet we find the devil and adam is nowhere to be found so where was he at um, i'll tell you something else that was interesting to me that i, I come across the other day um, as i was reading this again this these few chapters here eve never was given the command from God that we read of. Eve was never given the command from God that we can read of to stay away from the tree yeah. and to not eat of the tree. Somebody else's That job. command was given to Adam and to, before Eve was ever created. That command was given to Adam. And so Eve never heard it from God that we read of that she wasn't supposed to eat of that tree. So what was it? It was Adam's job to convey the message. It was Adam's job to keep the garden and to tell his family what the word of God was, to tell his family what the will of God was, to pass it down, what God had spoken to him. Now, I don't know, you know, I, I people can take it both ways here and say maybe he did and Eve didn't listen to him, and maybe that was so. But it looks like Adam should have been more adamant about it. He should have told her maybe more often and let her know just how serious that this was. And so we find the devil inside of the garden adam was in the garden apparently somewhere and yet the devil was in the garden and adam was supposed to keep him out he was supposed to protect it he was supposed to keep him out of there but here we find the devil in adam's house and adam didn't even know it now to me that's a striking thought 
The devil was in Adam's house, and Adam had no idea about it. Well, I tell you, we are to be the guards of our home, Brother Austin, as men of our house. Yes. And uh, the man of the house, we are to guard our home, both physically and spiritually. We are to keep our home, just like Adam was commanded. We're definitely called to work and to provide and to keep, just like Adam was. And I begin to look at this, the devil being in Adam's house. How easy is it today? I believe it's easier in our day and time than ever before for the devil to sneak into our houses. Look at what we've got. All of our devices, everybody has a phone. Look what Adam didn't have. Yeah, And he got in and didn't know it. Exactly. Look what everything we do have. We've got a tablet. Everybody's got a tablet. We've got computers. We've got phones. And on and on and on. Even a smartwatch. Yeah. Anything. Yeah, anything. Uh, You know, used to there were magazines. And those were, I know they could sneak into homes and they could be hidden. But it's even easier now. It's even easier than a magazine for the devil to get into our house. So while we're busy working and uh, doing our things, you know, studying. And it's, um, and it's more, and it's bad enough to be pornography or, it, you know, it's bad enough to be out and out, you know, yeah. graphical sins. But it could be even less. It could be false doctrine. Yeah. It could be the wrong Bible in your house. Yeah, I mean, it can be so many plethora of different things to let him in your house and not even realize. Yeah, it. and what I'm, I meant by less when I said that, uh, I want to clarify here. Um, you know, games. Look at all the games that we have these days. People and their PlayStations and all this. Uh, it's very, very easy for the enemy to sneak in, and we won't even notice it if we're not careful. What are we allowing in our homes? That's something to really think about. Yeah, it is. What are we allowing in our homes? Are we paying attention to what's in our homes? Are we are we looking at our kids' devices? Are we looking at what games they're playing, who they're messaging, um, on and on and on. You know, there's a thousand gates into it these days. And so as keepers of our home, we need to be watchful. We need to be present with our families. Um I was I was thinking of one man, Brother William Strickler. He was one of the greatest men I ever knew. And uh, he was, I mean, he's just a tremendous man. I've talked about him before on here, I do believe. But when Brother Strickler would pray over the food, and we Dad preached for him a bunch, and he came here. And when he would pray over the food, I mean, the Holy Ghost would fall in there, praying over the food at the dinner table. And he would cry. I mean, it was just, he was a very, very powerful man. And he had, I can't, I think 11 kids, if I remember right. And when he was dying, he died um, in 2020, I believe it was, when a lot of the COVID restrictions were still very tight. Yeah. They took a picture of him from the inside of his room. And I know some of his grandkids listen to this. And uh, I hope I'm telling it right. But I saw the picture. They took a picture from the inside of his room, and you could see about half of his face looking out of the window. And there was a whole, like a balcony, full of his kids and grandkids. And they were holiness kids and grandkids standing there with the, you know, the holiness kids. And, and just, it was a beautiful picture. It really was. And that was an example to me of what happens when Adam is present, when Adam guards the garden, when Adam is paying attention. Brother Strickler, like I said, was a a great man. And when he died, all of his 
kids and grandkids standing there living for God. And I, you know, I don't know if every one of them is saved, I'm not saying that, but there was a whole slew of them there. And it was just a wonderful thing. I tell you, that's what we can have. That's what we can have. We can raise our families right. We can stand in the gap. We can make up the hedge. There's a lot of absent fathers, a lot of absent husbands, uh, but I don't want to be one of those. I want to be present. I want to do things on purpose. I want to raise my family right. I don't want to put so much focus into everything else that I forget about them. But Adam, one thing I wanted to point out, Adam was in the house, but he was still absent. He was there, but he wasn't really all his full attention wasn't there. He was present, but he was still yet absent. You know, that's very easy to do, too. We have I've seen people like that. They're there. They're they're living in the house, but they're still absent. We need to be present with our families. We They need to know. That at the end of the day, I know we work and different things, but when we come in the house at the end of the day, they need to know that dad's in the house and we need to sit down and and know what's going on with our families on a day-to-day basis. Where was Adam? He was supposed to be a protector. He was supposed to be a guard, yet he was missing and the devil came into his house. Yes, wonderful, wonderful stuff. You mentioned, uh, you mentioned the devil being in your house and you not even know it. And it reminded me of, I was reading a bunch of stuff about the Columbine shooting in Colorado mm-hmm. from all those years ago. I read a bunch of articles about it and tried to, you know, a bunch of stuff. And anyways, in one thing in one of those articles that really, really stood out to me, and I've mentioned this before in preaching, it said that the cops after the Columbine shooting said it could have possibly been prevented if those two boys' parents would have just checked their rooms. Mm. It said they opened they opened up their rooms after all of that. Yeah. And openly, not hid. They didn't have to dig under the carpet and wow. behind false walls and under the bed and all that. They said openly in their rooms was plans, knives, guns, powder, pipe bombs, grenades, and more. Wow. Just laying in the just in their room where you could see it. In yeah. their room where you could find it. But the parents openly admitted, we ain't been in there in a long time. Yeah. And they knew their parents didn't come in their room. There's something wrong with an Adam, a father, and a mother that never goes in that room. Yeah. There's something wrong with parents that will just throw the internet at their child. And it don't matter if they're 15. Yeah. don't matter what age they are. I heard uh, one parent, I I honestly can't remember where I heard it, but I I really liked the idea. And my daughter's six, and she's already like, I want a phone. And I told her, and I believe you ought to be consistent in your discipline with your children. I don't don't think you ought to give them a rule and then forget it and change it and everything else. And I've told my daughter, she's six, and I stand by it. I said, you'll get a phone when you're 15, and you get your license, or you'll get a phone when you're 15, and your license when you're 16. Both those birthdays, you can expect it. Mm -hmm. 15 and 16. Not 14, not 13, not 11. Somebody may fall out with me for that or be angry. You know, if you gave your kids a phone at 11, it, it's it's you, not me. But for my children, I'm not going to give my children access to the entire World Wide Web at 11 years old mm-hmm. and then go to sleep and let them stay in there in a dark room and let anything pop up on anything could pop up. on. You don't think the devil could let something pop up on a phone? Yeah. Let something pop up. Maybe, maybe it'd be an innocent whatever and then something pops up and then boom 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 seven four or five clicks later they're on who knows what 
And they've already seen stuff they'll never forget. And you're asleep. You don't even know what's going on. Yeah. And this one person said, as long as you're living in my house, and I know some teenagers are like, that ain't happening. But he said, you live in my house. He said, when it's bedtime, them phones are going in a lockbox in my room, and you'll get them back in the morning. It ain't he, this this I can't remember who it was. It may have been a, a preacher, just where, but he said it's not because I'm punishing you. It's not because I don't trust you. This is because I love you. Yeah, I love you too much for anything to happen, even on accident. Mm-hmm. I want you to have. I want. I want to present you in purity. I, I want God to bless this home. I don't want the devil to have a heyday with this house. Yeah, and you know sometimes people may say that's too strict or whatever. And I know I got little ones. I don't have phones, but we need to guard. Even little ones, six, four, they grab your phone, few clicks. How many times your kid grabbed your phone and they're like, how in the world did you get on that? I mean, they're just, my twins are two. They don't even know mm-hmm. what they're doing. They just get on there and they just start going crazy. They'll yeah. lock it all the time trying to get password in there. I mean, just crazy stuff. Guard yeah. the garden. We want to be careful. Them cops said if they'd have just walked in them rooms. Wow. How many lives would they have saved? I can't remember how many died if they'd have just walked in them rooms. Yeah. Yeah, that is really something. And I do. I want to make this. I want to say this. Um, I'm not even 30 years old yet, and so I know that some people will be like, "What are you talking about?" I'm you 31 know, though. You don't even. <laughs> you're on here t- telling us how to parent. I know I'm not an expert in this field, and uh, my kids are young, and it's yet to be determined how they will turn out. Yes. Um, so I just wanted to throw that out there. I'm not. I'm not just saying this stuff and trying to be. Uh, like, I, I know it all. I know I'm young. I realize that. But what I have based all this stuff out of is the yeah. Word of God. And uh, so that I'm just, I'm giving scriptures. I'm looking at scriptures. And I'm trying my best. This is what to we're raise, trying to follow. Yeah, to raise my family um, and according we've seen these to same, the scripture. And we've seen these same principles work with people that are in our yes, church, our family, yeah. friends, preachers. Well, just like I gave the example of, of Brother yeah. Strickler, but, you know, also my dad. You know, my dad raised us, and I feel like I turned out pretty good. <laughs> um, but I just, I wanted to throw that out there. I, I, I don't want to put myself out there as acting like uh, I've been through something that I haven't and trying to tell everybody else something that I'm maybe not even experienced yet. But I'm in the process right now, and uh, we're, we're right in the middle of things, you know, raising kids and trying our best to do but it. But you did go through it on the other end of it. I did. And you watched. Yes the effects of it yes and you know we're talking about this also and there is a possibility austin of being a good man and being a bad father i've seen yeah. that i've seen that i've seen people that There's were a big good name men. that comes to mind and in the bible yeah David. <laughs> <laughs> there, great uh, king terrible father he was a great man all the yeah. way you know in a lot of ways but he was a terrible father and uh, I, I tell you, I don't want to be like that. I do not want to be like that. But there's a, a scripture here, and I touched on this the other night. And it's Psalm 128, and it said, Blessed is everyone. I guess this is a few scriptures. I said eight, but a few scriptures here. I want to read. Blessed is everyone that feareth the Lord, that walketh in his ways. For thou shalt eat the labor of thine hands. There's that work again, Austin. Happy shall thou be. And it shall be well with thee. Thy wife shall be as a fruitful vine by the sides of thine house. Thy children, like olive plants, round about thy table. Behold, that thus shall the man be blessed that feareth the Lord. And I I wanted to point out that there in verse 3, Thy children, like olive plants, round about thy table. 
Now, this is something um, that maybe you can't bring out a lot of scripture for, and um, I think it'd be more of just a good, good, a good practice, maybe than something to tell you. You know, it's uh, have a lot of scripture I should say for it. But anyhow. Um, I don't think I have to preface everything I say here, but I feel like I do because <laughs> I feel like there's people no. out there listening that would say, "Well, that ain't you ain't got a hundred percent Bible for that." But this here, roundabout thy table. You know, I have had young people tell me that they have never sat down when we was growing up together as teenagers that they did not sit down as a family unit and eat dinner ever, hardly ever. They hardly ever sat down together at the table and ate dinner together. They're, you know, they said mom and dad would eat in the living room. They'd eat up in their bedroom. They'd just grab, you know, their plate and go. And everybody sat around in different places of the house and eat dinner. Now, I, I personally, I feel like that is a horrible thing. I know, like I say, people work and different things like that. And uh, dad has been full time about all my life, not my whole life, but a good portion of it. And we came here when I was about five, and Dad started pastoring. But throughout the day, he was busy. He was studying. He was doing you know, all the things he had to do, uh, visiting, whatever it may have been. But at the end of the day, and we had school and all that, you could count on Dad was going to come home, and we all sat down at the table, and we had dinner together. Dad sat at the head of the table. We sat around the table. Mom sat at the foot of the table. And we had dinner as a family unit in the evening times. And I feel like that's extremely important. I feel like that's a, a something that is vital for us to do. We're going to get kicked families. off here just for saying family. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> as families to sit around the table to, for dads. And now myself, this is what I, you know, I try to practice that myself. Now I have a question. Yes. What if you live in a motor home and don't have a table? Well, I was actually <laughs> going to say something about that because somebody else said that one time. That they didn't have we, a table. Uh, we sit on separate couches and separate stools. Yeah, but you're still only about two foot away from each other. <laughs> yeah, but we're still close. You can't go far in that. We don't have a family table. <laughs> yes, but you know what I'm saying. Most people do. Most people do. And it's important. And I was actually going to say that because somebody else told me that one time. <laughs> Maybe you don't have a, a table that you can all sit at, but it's important that you eat it together. That's the thing. And uh, and get together. That's the important part. Get together. It's a, there's a time in the evening when dad comes home and he sits down with his family and he figures out what everybody done throughout the day and figures out where his family stands in their lives and be involved with your family. That's the point. That's the whole thing right there, to be involved, intentionally involved in your family's lives and to let them know, one, that you care and one to uh, to to know where they're at in case there needs to be some correction, you know, yeah. get them on the right path and say, "Oh, I don't think you ought to do that," or "We're not going to go there," you know, this and that. Um, they they need guidance, they need direction, and they've been they've been given to us. God has placed children into our care, and we need to care for them and we need to guide them. Like, I remember, and like I said, let me say this real quick, and I'll be done. Give it back to you. Like I said, I'm we're still in the process; it's yet to be determined. I'm not trying to be arrogant and act like I know everything, but I tell you, I want to do it. I want to do my best, Austin. My kids' lives depend on it. Their eternity yes, they do. depends on it, and that's what's so important. That's the only thing you can take with you Yes, to eternity is your children. Yep. I remember uh, my childhood pastor preached a classic message I've listened to how many times about Amnon had a friend. 
And he talked about if you're not going to be Amnon's friend, there'll be a Jonadab that will. Mm -hmm. And again, we already mentioned David. Yeah. So there'll be a Jonadab that will. And that message really struck me, and I never forgot it. And now as a father of five, and I got one that's about to turn seven, but I got six, four, two, two, and one. And so as a father of five, I always thought of that. Yes, we are the disciplinarian of the home. But if you're not a friend to your children, which you you, you can't be absent. Mm-hmm. Your, your children have to go somewhere. Yeah. And so if your children mess up or do something and all you all you are is the disciplinarian, well, they're not going to come to you with problems if they know they're going to get disciplined every single time. They need a friend also. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, you got to be a disciplinarian. So there is a balance there. Sure. But if you're not their friend, there'll be a Jonadab that will. And he, he brought that out so beautifully that if you're not their friend, well, there'll be Johnny at school that's their friend. There'll be a Susie at the gas station or McDonald's or wherever you're at, you know, wherever, daycare, whatever. They'll, yeah. they'll be their friend. That's who they'll tell their problems to. And that's what you don't want. No. And if you're going to guard the garden, then you need to be the spiritual leader of the home. And God, help us to do that. I yes. pray that all the time. Lord, I feel like a failure. But help me be the leader of my home that my kids can come to me that they know they're not just going to get just, ah, you did it wrong. Pow. You know. But that I'm going to be like, okay, you didn't know. That, okay, this is what the Bible says. And not just, well, that's the way we do it. You know, explain to your children. You know, the job as a pastor, they give us steak a lot of times. And it's your job as a parent, and I've heard many preachers say this, it's your job as a parent to chew that up and give that to them little kids. Give that to them and be the guardian of the garden. Be the, the head of that house. Be the disciplinarian of that house. Do what is right. There's a scripture here that I'll mention, and we'll try to get off here. I was at a, uh, I guess you would call it a a marriage conference, mm-hmm. maybe. I can't remember the exact title of it. But we was actually out that way. We went too far away, and we went. And the thing that caught my eye, I told uh, Brother Dwayne Gallagher was the speaker, uh, one of the speakers, and I told him, I said, you know, I love you to death. We're good friends. But what really caught my eye is child care provided. <laughs> and they watch your children. But I said all that to say he preached a message in that. And I, I don't guess I'll ever forget it. It really, really stuck to me and my wife. And it's Sol- the Song of Solomon, chapter 2, uh, verse 15. It says, Take us the foxes, the little foxes that spoil the vines. Mm-hmm. The little foxes that spoil the vines. And he brought that out. He said, You know, if a bear's coming, we're like, Uh uh-uh, uh, you ain't getting in this house. Yeah. And he brought that out that, you That's know, good. if somebody's going to preach to us Calvinism, uh uh-uh. uh. Preached us oneness. Absolutely not. When the yeah. bear comes and the lion comes, we're going to protect that garden. Yeah. But it says the little foxes, the little foxes that are fast and small and sneak in and they're hard to handle. Yeah. The little foxes that spoil the vines. But this is right where he preached because our children went in there. It was just us. Mm-hmm. For our vines have tender grapes. Mm. And he brought that out. I'll never forget that. I mean, yeah, I've read that, that before. That's really good. But the way he brought that out. Those yeah. tender grapes. What's more tender yeah. than a young child on the vine? And it's your job to guard the garden. Yeah. It's your job to protect the vine. Keep the little foxes. Keep the bear out. Keep the lion out. And a lot of men do that. Yeah. But keep the little foxes out. Keep the little things that come on the phone, the tablet. Like I already mentioned, I'm not trying to reiterate. But keep all the little things. Maybe it's jealousy. Maybe it's bitterness. Maybe yeah. it's invisible things. The little foxes. Yeah. How many families have been destroyed because of jealousy? Oh, yeah. Because of hatred. Oh, yeah. How many families have... It's unbelievable. I can only imagine how many families have been destroyed because of bitterness. Yeah. 
So it just it's unbelievable to think of all the avenues. How many how many little foxes are there? Yeah. There, oh, thousands. Millions. In, innumerable. Probably. Yeah, in, innumerable. You can't yeah. you can never let's let's take care of them tender grapes. And as we're recording this, I got some mixed tiles behind you. Yeah. And when I pray in here, it reminds me of those tender grapes that I can look at. So beautiful right there. They slightly need updated. They're a little bit old. Yeah. <laughs> Noah's barely born in that one. But those tender grapes, God help me. God help me to not let the vine be spoiled. Yes, sir. I was talking about the pictures behind you. And uh, first of all, let me say, how terrible would it be to get to eternity and look around and your children not be there? I couldn't think of anything worse. There's nothing worse. No wonder it says he'll wipe their tears. Yeah. There could be nothing worse. So I want to make sure that I do what it takes for them to make it. But you mentioned them pictures behind me and uh, in my office at work. Um, I've got pictures of, of my kids up there. And I worked with a guy, and he was an old-timer. He's retired now. And I loved working with him. He was one of my favorite people at work. He was just he was just an old-timer. just how best way to describe him. And so on the weekends when, when we worked, I don't want to bore everybody, but we worked turnaround. And on the weekends, I only got five hours on the weekend because I, I just had to go in and do a few things. And so it didn't matter what time I got there. Um, I had five hours. If I got there at six o'clock in the morning, I had five hours. If I got there at noon, I had five hours. You know, it didn't matter. And uh, he worked all day because he was he was a, a supervisor. <laughs> and so on the weekends, I'd show up and usually I'd get there about nine o'clock. You know, I wouldn't get up real early. I'd get there about nine, eight or nine and do my job and leave about one or two and go home. That's a good schedule. And, uh, <laughs> yeah. And so, but he couldn't stand that because I didn't come in at seven. That's our normal starting time. And he hated that because I didn't come in early. And, you know, he was out of the bed at three o'clock in the morning, no matter what, whether he's working or not. You know, it's just an old timer. And uh, one day he walked back by my office and he looked in the door and he saw them pictures there beside of me. He said, Zach. If you ever need a reason to get out of bed and come to work, look over there. I'll give you five reasons. <laughs> that always stayed with me. I thought that was so funny. He hated it because I didn't get there. I, I tell him, I said, it don't matter if I get here at six or nine. I've got five hours and they're not going to pay me for no more. But, you know, he just he couldn't grasp that. But anyhow, we got some reasons. We got some reasons. So I want to do it right. Well, everybody, guard the garden. That's the topic for today. Guard the garden. Don't be an absent, absent Adam. Don't be living in the same roof as your family and they think you're absent. Don't just be another body just in the house. Don't be absent. Be there. Be there. You can only raise them kids once. They're tender grapes. Guard that garden. Peace out. In this race of life I've run, the Lord says to me, my child, well done. 